Do you consider yourself resilient? And what does that mean to you? In this podcast, Resilient Entrepreneurs with 241, we chat with business owners about what resilience means to them as they share their inspiring stories and life lessons. What we've learned running our own businesses, you're never alone, even when it feels like it. So tune in anytime to this podcast. We're always here for you, celebrating resilient entrepreneurs just like you. We're Lauren Vicky from 241, a marketing company for early stage business owners who want to launch, grow, and be resilient. We're excited to chat with Samantha Rush today because she is the brain behind the brand Marvelous Women. When I saw her at a Mind Body Spirit Expo in Brisbane this year, I knew we needed to talk more. Samantha is a business advisor and consultant. She's a coach for small businesses by day. And in 2020, she launched Marvelous Women. So what is it? Well, it's a tool to help women make decisions and to feel confident, strong, and empowered. Samantha worked with an Australian artist and developed a decision inspiration card deck. It looks a bit like a tarot card deck. And it features the wisdom of 52 Marvelous Women from Cleopatra to Lady Gaga and so many more. Samantha, it is great to be finally talking to you. I love your cards. Tell Thank what, you so much. Yeah. Tell us what inspired you to create those. I love things that can help your thinking. So as part of my work, I facilitate a lot with groups and I use a lot of tools to help me facilitate with individuals and with groups. One of the things I've used for a really long time is there's a particular tool called What Would X Do?, And it might be, what would Superman do? What would Oprah do? So when you're working on a particular problem as an individual or as a team, is you can see it from another pair of eyes. So what you know of that person, how would they solve this problem or how would they approach it? So I have a lot of different kinds of card decks and things like that that I use for that kind of purpose. And so I was having a look at the decks that I have and I've got I've got one with cats. It's called the Cat Guru Cards. I've got one with music oracles. I've got one with artist oracles, just so that you can really start to see things from lots of different perspectives. And I realised there should be one of these for all the wonderful and inspirational women that we have through history. Why don't we have this? Well, the first question I asked was, do we have this? And so I went looking for it and I couldn't find it. So uh, my general approach to things is, If I can't see it and I want it, then let me be it. So I spent 15 months uh, along with January, the artist, getting to the point where we were able to finally launch the cards, which was in February of this year when we finally uh, launched. And I'm just so, so proud of them. And the feedback that I've received from people has just been tremendous, uh, both from the cards themselves as well as the the launch event that, that we did here in Brisbane. In fact, I had a number of people at the launch event come to me and say, when's the next event? This is really fantastic. And my response was, I'm sorry, I wasn't actually planning another event, but this is what the people are wanting was to have another event. So we had another event um, in May, which was confidence focused. And there was 134 people that that came to that event here in Brisbane at, um, at that time. So it's definitely become a passion of mine. I'm all about empowerment. And to me, these cards are about empowering people to stop that little voice in the back of their head that's telling them to maybe I shouldn't do that or maybe it won't work. Or when you have that thought and you can take a card or you just take one in the morning and you have the image and the words of a really inspirational woman, it makes it easier to keep going or to stop that voice. 
And I think that even though it's marvelous women that are featured, this is still a really useful tool, a set of cards for men. Um, Absolutely. You know, taking advice from women is, you know, they're really, I mean, tell us some of the women that are featured, for instance. Oh, right. Let me grab my trusty deck. And I can not only tell you, I can show you. Okie dokie. So topical, we have Queen Elizabeth II. Oh, bless. And her words say, let reflection guide your action. Know what is fight worth fighting for and danger is overcome by those who dare. Rosa Parks. You don't deserve less than others because of who you are. Standing for something will make you strong. Get rid of fear by making up your mind to do it. And we have RBG. There are 52. It's a big deck. So it took quite a long time to make the selection of who those 52 ladies would be. I actually started with about 120 uh, when I was just thinking about who could be included in this. And then I didn't just get to relax in the evenings for four months as I went through researching those 120 women looking at, okay, what is it that they've done? What is it that they've said? What quotes can I find about them? What what could I do with these quotes? And of course, identifying if there was anything about the lady that may be considered controversial or that some people may be upset about. I also worked really hard to try and really get equal representation across sectors. So I've got artists, I've got an architect, I've got scientists, authors, sports people. So really, I really tried to get a broad selection of ladies in, in the deck. And as the other thing that I tried to do was get about an 80-20 representation of 80% of ladies that most people would know and about 20% that they wouldn't so that there's an opportunity to learn about new inspirational people, which I always find so much fun to discover new new people. So there's a little uh, booklet in the deck that has a bio of each lady and the inspiration behind the design. It's such an appealing concept. It's just I could imagine. I mean, that's one a week, right? Is that one a week? Yeah. Yeah. So have the woman of the week there at your desk or in your handbag or if you're a guy in your jacket pocket. And uh, it's wonderful. It's something so simple. I think that's what fascinates me with it. It's simple and yes. yet so effective, uplifting, inspiring, and, yeah, helpful, useful. Now, Samantha, well, you're doing a doctorate in decision-making. I am. I so am. That's that's a pretty fascinating thing. And these are decision cards. So is there some kind of a link there or is it just a, a line of interest you have in how us complex humans make decisions? Pretty much. I think that decision making is one of the hardest things that as humans we have, especially when we, you know, we either have not enough information or we have too much information and pretty much everything in between. So uh I know that as an individual, sometimes some decisions can be really hard to make. Uh, some decisions are easy and there's some parameters behind that because uh, there's lots of parameters behind um, decisions. But when you get people together in a team at work or a group of people trying to make a decision on something, it's like that cubed or like that to the power of 10. It just gets so much harder. So I'm really interested in what are some things that can help people uh, to be able to make decisions easier with less heartache, less frustration, and certainly when you're in teams, <clears throat> less feeling like you want to stab somebody on your team when things aren't maybe going as smoothly as they could. So the, definitely that easier part, but also the more robust decisions part. So you make 
better decisions and the process is easier. That's really what I'm interested in. So definitely from the cards perspective, that is behind that. And also from my research, that's what I'm looking at, research on how to make team decision-making easier. Oh, I'm so interested in that. And I remember once I listened to someone say that we make about 35,000 decisions every day. Everything from like how much toothpaste to put on your toothbrush or what shoes to wear and stuff. And we had a little conversation before we started recording today about like what we're wearing. And I brought the point that I'm mostly wearing one of two types of t-shirts. I have multiples of these. It's not like I only have two t-shirts, but I have the same ones. It's something I love. It feels comfortable. I feel like I, I like the way I look in it and it's easy. And it's one less decision for me really to have to make every day. And I know when I when I heard about that, when you have to make 35,000 decisions a day, that's exhausting. That can be absolutely yeah. exhausting. And when you're an entrepreneur, a business owner, you got to make some big decisions that really affect other people as well as your business. So busying your mind with little, you know, not as important decisions can be overwhelming and can take away from the big decisions you have to make. So any thoughts on that? I mean, am I am I close <laughs> in what I know? Look, I think it's about that right. And that's why our brains, we we go for heuristics. So what's something that I've done before? So that's why you find you always put your sock on the same foot first <clears throat> because your brain is just programmed it. This is just how I do it. I don't have to make this decision. I just fall into that habit. And I think that's sometimes you get halfway driving to where you're supposed to go and you realize that you're not really even paying attention because you've just gone into autopilot mode. Definitely, I think minimizing the easy decisions so that you can focus on the hard decisions is a really good a really good way to go. Yeah, there's the the hard decisions, there's the decisions involving other people and I think the other thing about being an entrepreneur is you're often making decisions on things you haven't made decisions on before. So they're actually novel decisions. So that actually makes it harder. You're faced with new information, new consequences. Maybe you don't know what the consequences are yet of your decisions. So that's a, that's another uh, layer of complexity to decision making as an entrepreneur. Do you have yeah, any Samantha, on how to make those decisions better? How to make a wise one decision? Yeah, so generally, I would advise not generally all the time. I advise being really clear on the outcome that you're looking for. So, what is that you want? And what is it that you don't want? So, what's the what is the I suppose the the negative side of the consequence that that you don't want or the goals. Be really, really clear on that. And then as you start to gather your information, make sure that you're making notes on either side of these. So this, if I do this, it will lead to that. No, I don't want that. And actually go through and make it be an informed process. Also remember that not making a decision is making a decision, as is kicking the can down the road and deciding that you'll make the decision later. There, there's a price that comes with doing that as well. So being very aware of your decision-making or you're trying to procrastinate on decision-making and actually trying to make, I suppose, a more informed choice about how you're going to make that decision. So it's like a decision within a decision. It's like inception. <laughs> how do you not go crazy? How do you do that? I think it's a struggle for, for a lot of people, not just entrepreneurs, but yeah, when you have those really big decisions to make that affect other people, Mm. or even just your own family if you're, say, a solo entrepreneur and you've got to make a decision to take a risk and maybe invest 
some big money into your business. What are some um, ways people can do it? What you were kind of, I was hearing you were kind of saying was like the pro con list and looking, you know, and then what are the outcomes? What are some other ways that people can really make those hard decisions and feel, I guess it's feeling like they've made the right decision. Cause that's, yeah. I think what, where a lot of the fear is that the people are going to make the wrong decision. And that's a really hard question to answer. And realistically, you're never going to know until you do it. However, I'm a really big advocate for talking to people. So I think a lot of us sometimes sit back and we think, oh, I'm just going to have to make this decision on my own. The chances of the decision that you need to make, no one having made that ever before in existence is probably nil. So get out there and talk to people, ask people's advice. If there's someone that you think might have been in the same situation as you before, most of the time people are pretty happy to help. Um, I know I've done that in quite a few occasions when I when I was starting in my consulting practice. I went out to some people that I know had done some similar things over the years and said, I need some advice. These are the questions that I have. C- can you help me? And I ended up speaking with six or seven people. They all gave me an hour of their time. The same thing can happen if you've got a, got a decision to make. Identify a few people that you think may have made these decisions before. You don't have to know them reach out to them. There is nothing that strokes the ego for people as much as being asked for advice. So I think most of the time people are going to say yes. Um, that can also be really helpful. So that's, that's another point of data collection. That's how I see that. You might think about your risk appetite. What am I willing to risk? What can I risk? What can I have? What is it that I'm trying to achieve? What do other people say? And gather, gathering as much information as you can, but Knowing the point that you've got enough, that's always the delicate balance. Have I got enough information or do I keep collecting more? It's a really, yeah. really delicate balance. And I think that comes down to your risk appetite as well. So the, the less of an appetite that you have for risk and uncertainty, the more data you're going to want to collect. So I think just being cognizant that waiting, there's a price that comes with waiting. And that price can be someone else gets to the market before me. That price could be actually it's going to cost it's going to cost me more if I buy it later. So just really thinking through not just the decision you're making, but if you're thinking about kicking that can down the road, what are the costs of me kicking it down the road? That my mom has a quote. She's always told me it's if you can't make a decision, gather information. Which I think is exactly what you said. But I think you've added on the better part, which is consider the cost of waiting too long. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's really, ooh, that's really good. So take me back to the beginning of, of your entrepreneurship journey. How old were you when you first became an entrepreneur? Where was the beginning? Well, really, really young, actually. I grew up in, in Papua New Guinea and we had a, a guava tree in our uh, in our yard and, and our house was at the end of a cul-de-sac. So uh, one of the first things that I did when I was a kid, uh, maybe seven, six or seven, was I used to sell guavas from the tree to folks outside the uh the fence so there was there were three for ten toya i remember that quite well which i used to buy they have these uh candies in png they're dried plums but they've got these spices and they're really sour it's like a like a sour candy but based on fruit so that's what i would spend my money on so pretty young that's cute taking nature and uh selling what they could possibly have gotten for free <laughs> but it was totally. on the other side of the fence. <laughs> Correct. And in that particular 
part of town where we lived. You know, maybe they would have had to walk further to to pick a, something off the tree themselves. A convenience, a convenience. Absolutely. That's fantastic. I love it. What uh, what would you consider to be your most your greatest achievement in business so far? You are a multi-passionate. You have so many things on the go. And I think that is one of my favorite achievements that I do have so many things on the go. I having no day is the same. And that's one of the things that I love about and I've always loved about the work that I do. And I've deliberately gone for things where it would give me variety and lots of different, I suppose, different, like a big pie, but lots of different parts of, of pie. So that definitely is one. That, and that uh, from my main income earning job, which is my consulting practice, that that affords me enough money to have that flexibility. And so actually, you know, I'm, I'm taking the day off and I'm going to work on my PhD today or I'm taking these two days off and we're going to go on a film shoot and and just being able to make those choices, I suppose. But the thing that warms my heart and that really makes me feel good is the feedback that I get about Marvellous Women. So the cards as well as the events that I've had of people have sent me emails afterwards or, or things on LinkedIn or things on the socials just saying, you know, I'm walking five centimetres taller today than I was yesterday because of what we did last night or what we talked about, you know, thank you so much. And that, and that really just, that feeds my soul. So in terms of I'm most proud of, that is it. Actually helping to, to make someone's life easier, even if that's only for a few minutes, that's gold. That is gold. Yes, I had goosebumps as you were talking about it. Isn't that what drives a lot of us is to know that we're making a difference and you found such a creative way to do that or many creative ways to do that. Yeah. Thank you. I, I absolutely love it. I absolutely love it. So with all of the uh, the great success and the fun projects that you begin and bring others into, has there ever been a time when you just didn't, when you felt it wasn't working, you felt like you were against a block, a wall? Yeah. Was there ever a time when you just thought you were going to quit? I never really got that far thinking I'm going to quit, but I won't lie, in sort of mid-2020, right bang in the middle of COVID, being solo and having a consulting practice wasn't easy. Everyone was really hunkering down. But at that time, my mindset has always been you need to give things a go. So you actually, quitting does uh, prematurely doesn't really help. So that notion of giving up is not really in my DNA. Now, that's very different to making an informed decision. So if I'd collected enough data to say, look, I've collected this data over this period. This is what the out outlook's looking like. These are the, my circumstances, my context. Okay, now that's an informed decision. I need to do this. I, I need to go back to work. Or the, the other side is this is how things are now. Okay, I know I've got this voice in the back of my head, that, that fear voice telling me to do this. But the data that I'm seeing is that that's not what's going to happen. So keep going. So not really. I never really considered quitting because I didn't have, I hadn't given things enough of a go and I didn't have any information that I collected that told me quit. So trying to short circuit that emotion uh, is, is really important. Yeah. Have you ever had any big uh, failures in your career that really rocked you? Maybe really bad decision <laughs> made. Failures, no, because I don't think there's anything that I've really considered a failure. I've had, I've started businesses that haven't been successful, but I don't consider that a failure because I've learned so much from that experience. 
And that I think is so important is the way that you view things. Actually, I, in late 2019, I did an educational tour in conjunction with my university to Israel. And one of the things that we really learned about was entrepreneurship in Israel and how it works there. And one of the things that we learned at that time was that from a VC perspective, if they've got a, a founder that has had failed projects in the past, that they will be viewed more favorably than one for whom this is their first project because they have, they've experienced something that hasn't gone the way that they've wanted and that they actually, that they have learned from that and they are better for that. So that absolutely has been my mindset for a really long time as well, is that it's a learning experience. You get something, you put it in your backpack, you keep moving. It's not a, I failed, I need to give up. Poor me. I love that. That is gold. <laughs> that is gold. Now that's resilience too, right? To know that is. failure is a part of success. What would you consider resilience to be? How would you define that? So resilience for me means not giving up, as I've said before. And that doesn't mean making that conscious decision to move away from something based on information that you've collected. That is not giving up. That is, this is the information I've collected. This is a informed decision. So resilience for me is not listening to those voices that are telling you that you're not good enough, you shouldn't do this, no one's going to want to buy this. And also where there's a, a situation where you just feel this is just too hard because that's all in here. So is resilience. So when you feel that in your in your mind, this is too hard, I'm just going to give up, keep moving. Find something to break that cycle of unhelpful thinking and keep moving. That's resilience. Pick up a mother yeah. woman card. Yeah, or find something that's going to distract you from that thinking. So it might be going for a walk. You might have a rubber band around your wrist, which you'll snap whenever you fear, whenever you hear that voice inside your head. Maybe you go and visit a friend or whatever it is. When you're feeling whatever that, um, when you're hearing that voice, it's too hard, I'm just going to give up. Distract yourself. We, we think that we're all really sophisticated and complicated beings sometimes, but actually we're really simple. You know, you distract kids, you distract pets from something. As adults, we're exactly the same. Just distract us and we'll be fine. Move on. <laughs> There's yeah. something shiny over here. There's a rattle over there. Yeah, distract. <laughs> yeah, the shiny object syndrome is is a real thing too that entrepreneurs actually have to be wary of. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And as a multi-passionate per person, talked about film, we haven't really talked about yet that you were part of film projects as well, not just one, on your second film project, which is amazing. How do you juggle? How do you focus when you need to focus on specific projects, tasks, or decisions, even like we're talking about decisions that you need to make for those different areas of your business? It's a daily struggle because it's easy to get uh, you know, the, sh the shiny things. This is something really cool. It's so exciting, but actually I have to work on my PhD over here. So for me, it's about minimizing thinking for the time that I need to spend on those things. So I time box one day a week for my PhD and my entire di diary is blocked out, which means I don't negotiate with myself about that time. That is what that is for. So time boxing the important things um, and making sure that those happen. So that what that goes back to is being really, really clear on your priorities, which means actually having a, a stern talk with yourself 
um, quite a bit of the time to make sure that you're following your own rules, I think. So being really clear on your goals and your priorities, time boxing the important things, the things that are non-negotiable and everything else can move around it. The other thing that I find very helpful is putting visual reminders of the important things in my office. So it's really easy to forget things unless they're in front. Well, certainly it is for me. So for me, visual reminders around my desk area. So I see and I go, all right, get, you know, I can't be distracted by that. I've got to do this first. So for me, definitely is my PhD work and um, the work that my clients need delivered because that pays the bills. They're my priorities. Yeah, I'm sure that takes a good bit of discipline too. Are you a very disciplined person? Uh, it, it has been learned, yes. The hardest part of getting disciplined is starting. Um, so I did a few years ago um, when I did my psychology honours full-time and I worked full-time at the same time. So at that time it was just, just do, don't think, just you you come home from work in the evenings, you start studying. You wake up on Saturday morning, you start studying and just getting into that routine like any other routine that you get into and just don't think about it, just do it. <laughs> Sounds kind of boring, but my philosophy is it's better to have no life for half the time than half a life for double the time when it comes to study. Yes, yeah. that's Great. Better to have no life for half the time than half a life for all the time. Oh, yeah. I love it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Any advice you'd give to your younger self, Samantha? Uh, advice I would give to my younger self, I would say think bigger. So you're thinking this is what you'd like to do. Actually, like take that up five notches because it's better to have a goal that's loftier and potentially even just shy of unachievable than to shoot for something that's halfway of what you could be. So that, that would be my advice for myself. Think bigger, a lot bigger. Yeah. Cause I don't think we realize it in our younger selves that have no clue that it's even possible. I like that advice a lot. Just think bigger and, and yeah, go for the things that seem completely unachievable and you'd be quite shocked what you can accomplish. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, you know, probably in the last, maybe 15 years, that's the way that I've operated my career and my life is go towards things that scare me because they're the things that are going to teach me the most. And even though I'm scared every single day and there's stuff that I really don't want to do, just do it. Get her done. And I, her I done. still do it now. Like something's coming up and, and I go, oh, I really don't want to do that. Maybe I can just pull the plug, you know. Uh, and then, <laughs> then I go, you know what, don't, just do it. You've made yeah. a commitment to do something, so follow through. And there's a reward at the end of that, surely. Of course there is. Of course yeah. there is. There's a and reason that, for us if, not wanting to do it, right? It's probably fear. It's probably just a little test for us that comes from from within. And we walk into the cave we fear to tread, you know, and there's the treasure. That's it. That's it. And a big part of that is the fear of rejection. So, you know, going back to the days when we were, living in tribes and cave people, if we got kicked out of the tribe, we're dead. So it's about what will people think of me? What will people say about me? What if this doesn't work? Then then what will happen? So I think pushing that aside and telling yourself we're not in a cave anymore I, and also saying to your brain, thank you for looking out for me, but I've got this. I'm good. There's no yeah, need like to that. fear. We've got this. 
Yeah, I like that. I like that because um, brain does keep us in survival mode. That's what our brain is for. It's meant to make sure we survive every day. And when there are exactly. things that we fear, the brain says, oh, you're fearing that? Yeah, it might be a bad thing. It could be the lion out there. That's it. Get back in the cave. Yep. Yep. Pedal. <laughs> yeah, so it does take uh, a lot of mindset shifts to to push through those those things that are scary, that are hard. Definitely. When the imposter syndrome kicks in. Absolutely. Who am, who am I to do these things? But, you know, you have to remember, who are you not, right? And if you don't, who will? If you don't exactly. create the Marvelous Women cards, who will? No one has. So, and do you yeah. know what? Every single one of those cards has a story like that of just someone going, do you know what? Nah, I'm going to do this. You know, so, for example, um, Junko Tabe, she's the first woman who climbed Mount Everest as well as all seven summits. So when she climbed on Everest, men would not climb. Men would leave the mountain because they did not want to climb with her um, because it's, it's bad luck. It's bad luck to be on the mountain with a woman. And uh, everyone, uh, she's from Japan, everyone in Japan said, oh, you just need a mountain climbing to find a husband, you know. And she's like, no, I really just want to do this. And so when she was, she was 200 metres from the top of Everest and there was an avalanche and she was quite badly injured, she crawled on her hands and knees the last 200 metres. If that's not resilience, I don't know what is. So it's not just, I suppose, having those visual reminders or hearing those stories about what people have endured because they were so passionate about something or because they just knew that they had to do it. And it was, that was their legacy. And whether it's your legacy or it's something that you want to achieve or whatever it is, really just moving through that is so important. And these, the stories that I've heard and read about all of these amazing women just that they keep me going every day you know if she, if if Junko can do that do you know what I can I can probably do this piddly little thing because she climbed to the last 200 meters of Everest on her hands and knees yeah I, I got nothing <laughs> I can't compare and people no. have died on Everest you know people are, are lots you know, yeah yeah they uh, still like there was one great decision you made it was to produce marvelous women card deck oh so thank, thank you, you. <laughs> honestly it's it's so inspiring share with us how people can can order the, the cards and we'll put them in the show notes as well absolutely social so instagram facebook and we have a website as well marvelouswomencards.com lovely it's such a pleasure to chat with you uh we could do thank this you. for the rest of the day I think uh, so. We're all going to make a decision to move on with things and get other things done today. (laughs) Excellent. Don't kick that can down the road. Do it. (laughs) Yes. Make the hard decisions. Go for it. Thank you so much. That was was really an amazing conversation. Really appreciate your time. It's a pleasure. Thank you. So thanks for joining us on Resilient Entrepreneurs. We're Laura and Vicky from Two for One. We love supporting entrepreneurs, especially with mindset, marketing, and motivation, which is why we've built an incredible community of business founders who meet weekly in the Level Up League. If you'd like to know more about it, look us up at 241branding.com.